Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. This is Chelsea, and I want you to create a happy family. I use my background in Western and Eastern medicine, birth, and ancient yogic practices to help the modern mother learn how to live a healthier life and create conscious children. This is your guide to fertility, conception, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and the early childhood years. Are you ready to live the life of your dreams? Welcome to Mystical Motherhood's episode number 13. I'm so excited for you to hear this woman's story. She has healed herself from a miscarriage, and I know that there's so many women out there that could really, really use this information. She used the experience to absolutely change everything in her life, and she's now on the road to conscious conception using mystical motherhood as her guide. I'm so proud of this guest, and I'm so excited for her to share her story of awakening um, with you today. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I want to just jump right in, and I want to ask you, when did you decide and know for sure that you wanted to become a mother? And what was that moment in time? Um, so I think for me, it was a, a longer journey to realizing that I wanted to become a mother. Um, it wasn't something I'd thought about my entire life um, or had been planning for or looking forward to. I just sort of realized that without children, I think I would really be missing something in my life. And I, I really wanted to be able to you know, raise a really amazing young human on this planet. And the first time I've had a couple of miscarriages. So the first time I had a miscarriage, I I will admit I struggled with feelings when I found out I I was pregnant that I was in shock because, you know, even though everyone takes health class and you know (laughs) how it can happen, it was amazing to me that it did happen. And I think it just was overwhelming to think about all the preparation that was needed. And I was you know, struggling with how I would handle my career and how I would handle childcare and, you know, what this change would mean for my life and for, you know, my life with my husband. And and it was such a huge, it was such a huge piece of news that I think I, I just didn't feel that excitement that I saw so many of my other friends go through. And I felt really guilty that I didn't feel that excitement. Um, and I, it took a long time to sort of really warm up to being a mother. And I think, you know, you hear the heartbeat and you start to feel excited and then you start to get kind of closer and, and you realize that you're going to get to have a little baby to hold in your arms. And you know, the excitement does come, it came a little slowly for me, but it did really come. Um, but unfortunately when we went for our four month appointment, um, we found out there was no longer a heartbeat. And so it was like that desire to, be a mother became so much stronger because it was though I was told I couldn't be one. So I think, I think a common feeling that a lot of people have is the minute someone tells you, you can't have something, you want to do it even more. Um, so that was a, a really big struggle for me. So it was a long journey to really embracing, you know, this call to be a mother and this desire to bring conscious children here on this planet. 
And so, so what it sounds like is it was really shocking at first. And is it because that pregnancy wasn't planned or was it you were trying to get pregnant or because it's always interesting to me, is it, you know, because it, some of us get pregnant, some people get pregnant and then they're still shocked because they, they wanted it. But then it, I mean, at least for me, I wanted to have a baby, but then it, when it happened, I was shocked, <laughs> but I, I made it occur. Right. And then there's other women that didn't want the child and then there's shock and then there's hearing the heartbeat. And so how did those two come together for you? And, and how are you, you know, why I'm asking this is because I kind of want to lead to how you did it differently as you're trying, you know, in the future, like we'll go through your story, but you know, that time you didn't necessarily, did you plan it or, you know? Um, no. So we, you know, I mean, we, in, the, in some senses we, we did plan it in the fact that I, I went off birth control and I was, you know, eating healthy and I was taking care of myself. So I was aware of this, you know, move towards becoming pregnant, but I think I was just shocked at how quickly I became pregnant. And I thought I'd have a little more time to prepare myself emotionally and and spiritually rather than, you know, just sort of like, thing you're pregnant and, and how, and that, that was really a big shock. And it's just such a blessing to be able to get pregnant so quickly. Um, but I think in, in hindsight, it didn't give me enough time to really prepare my mind for what is also a really, really important change in my life. Right. So then keep on going with your journey. So what happened when you, you know, had the miscarriage? What, how did, what happened to your body? What happened to you physically, mentally, and spiritually? And how did you heal from that? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, when I went for the appointment and they, deliver the news of not having a heartbeat and they send you it to another person to do a second scan just to confirm everything. But, you know, I, I mean, at that point it was, it's not a mistake when you have it the first time around, um, not being able to find a heartbeat. And I was just such an incredible sense of shock. I mean, I really was speechless. Thankfully my husband has my birthday memorized because they always ask you to verify your personal information. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything because it was just so shocking to me. Um, and they, they just, they just presented me with like options so quickly. I felt so rushed into having to make a decision to how I handle the next steps because I was so far along in the miscarriage. Um, you know, a surgical removal really was the only option. And I, you know, I had never even heard it. I didn't even know what a DNC was. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the process. No one, no one really took the time to explain to me what my body was going to go through and what my mind was going to go through. And I think that's something I really learned from was it's not just like your body's pregnant and you you're carrying this, this being and, and then it's all just all gone. And then a week later you're fine. Maybe you're served from a surgery. I mean, it's, it was months of like, you know, returning to some sort of normalcy, you know, with your hormones leveling back out and your body starting to feel better and, you know, kind of bringing back to regular cycles. I mean, it was really emotionally draining. And like, I just, I wanted to spend all my time like in bed. I just wanted to hide. Um, and that was really hard. And I think it, it took a lot of time to start to normalize how I was feeling. And it made me really dig in deep into myself about what I can do to keep, to try and become healthy again and accept what had happened and try and learn from it to move forward. So what do you wish 
the doctors and nurses had a, would have done differently. And what do you, if looking back at the situation now, if you could go into your heart and you could tell another woman how to do it differently, what would, what, what would you say to them? I think one of the things that I really wish would have been done differently is just having more of an explanation of what, what had happened and and understanding that miscarriages happen for sometimes we have absolutely no reason. And, And in this case, they, they did a scan and they reviewed everything and there was no, no explanation for what happened to me. And so, but there's still an explanation what happens to your body and the process that you're going to go through. And, you know, I think just feeling rushed from one technician to another and no one really kind of sitting me down even for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and letting me just absorb what had just happened and then explaining what my options were and giving me that time. I think that's what I would really recommend to any woman who ever feels like they've just been like, really, I mean, like smacked with this kind of information because there's no way to prepare for receiving this information because it's always going to be a shock, even if you think it might be a possibility, but to just kind of take a moment and say like, okay, well, I'm going to call you back this afternoon. I'm going to come in and just, just take the rest of the day to like absorb it and make a decision as opposed to, excuse me, um, to just feeling sort of shuffled about from person to person and having no idea how to really deal with it. So my guidance is like to any woman, anytime you're given any sort of information that you're just overwhelmed with, you don't have to make a decision then you don't have to do anything like take a deep moment and breathe and like, just, just absorb it. And then you can come back with your like lists and lists of questions, which I inevitably had. So so would you have, if you would have gone back and done it again, you would have gone home, it sounds like. I would have gone home. I would not have gone to the office. That was a terrible choice on my part. And then because of that, it feels like it was almost, you know, a, a traumatic, you know, you almost had PTSD from it. Yeah. I mean, I think because in my mind, I was like, well, I have no idea what to do right now. So I'm going to do the one thing I know how to do, which is go to the office, which sounds like a weird thing to do. But I think when you're everything's upside down or people look for normalcy. And for me, that was normal. I was not a very productive person that day. I think I spent most of the day with my office door closed, like crying. So then it was time to leave at like two or three. Um, so two things, I mean, it sounds like two things happened is first off, they told you and you immediately had the procedure and you immediately went to the office. Um, well, I had the, I went to the office because they scheduled the procedure for a couple of days from then. Um, okay. Because there was, pre-op testing and things they had to take care of, you know, um, because it was full anesthesia. Um, but I did go into the office right after I received this news and I would just, I mean, if I could do something differently, it would definitely be to be like, okay, now it's just time to like go home and like just sit with this information and process it. And there's two things I want to bring up here as a labor and delivery nurse and and a practitioner myself is in, if a woman at at some hospitals, not all, I'm going to say a couple, there are, if a woman were to lose a child at the hospital, she gets, there's a system set up for the loss of this child. So she could, I mean, at very good hospitals, absolutely not all hospitals do this, which is incredibly sad, but 
the woman can, you know, go to group self help groups and she can meet with other women that have had this happen. But with miscarriages, there's not that group yet that I know mm-hmm. of, and I am in this field. So, and so you didn't have anyone to really go to or know how to handle that pain. And it's almost kind of brushed aside. So that's a problem. And then another problem is our way, the way we women, we just kind of put our heads, you know, put our clothes on, put our heads up and we do our work. And then that's our own faults. And, and, and it's, and when the process of becoming pregnant, that's, that's a good example in that moment where you went right back to work. But we would, I mean, so many women I work with, they need to become, they want to become pregnant, but then they are, you know, working 70 hour weeks and you need to take that space for yourself almost internally and externally to create and almost heal yourself before, you know, do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, you, I really just, I just had to really like kind of shift my priorities around in a little bit and, you know, understand that you can't do everything all at once. So sure, I can be great at my career and I can absolutely intend on being a great mother, but I may not be able to do both of those things a hundred percent for each of them. You just have to let things shift in their priority and there's space for that. And you just have to kind of envision what that space is. And, you know, I meditated a lot on this afterwards and, you know, that for me was what I needed to do was kind of shift my own role, not necessarily taking a step back, but shifting my own role in my career to give my mind and my body space to become pregnant again. So talk about that journey of becoming pregnant again and, you know, let's talk about the way you physically, mentally, and spiritually changed and, Mm -hmm. and the sources that you use to do that and the process that you've gone through as, you know, cause I am out there to show women that motherhood and the path of conscious conception is a path of awakening. And it's, you know, it's, it could be like a dharmic way of, you know, changing yourself Mm -hmm. before you have a child. And I would love to hear how, you know, the benefits you think that Imagine if you would have become a mother then and, and had the child, right? Or now. And the differences between you at these two different stages. I'd love you to talk about that. Um, I probably would have. If I would had the first child, um, I think I would have tried to continue doing everything full on. And I wouldn't have stepped back and taken a break to really become a mother and heal myself after birth and bond with a child. I probably would have been eager to just you know, get back into the office and keep on working away. And I think that what I've done now is really made space and made a priority. I mean, even as simple as instead of having my appointments at 7.45 in the morning and going off to the office, I now, you know, when I, I, sw- I also switched from a, you know, traditional OBGYN practice to the midwifery practice, which I would highly recommend to anyone um, as a part of their own journey. But one of the things that I... I have really been focusing, I'm sorry, switching my appointments are now in the afternoon so that, you know, if I'm not really feeling up for it, it's already late in the day, I can just go home after my appointment. I don't have to return to the office. Um, you know, just depending on what information I might receive or how I might feel, um, I can just take the rest of the day and not worry about that. And that's just a, a really minor shift that I did in how I was sort of kind of giving space to myself. Um, you know, I, I made a lot of change. I really started, you know, thinking about, you know, being pregnant 
you want your body to start thinking like you are in a way, which is frequent guidance. I, I know, but you know, it's about eating right. It's about exercising. It's about, you know, really kind of taking that time to like, you know, meditate and rest. And, you know, I started seeing an acupuncturist, which has been incredibly helpful um, and calming um, and just, you know, really rebalancing the energies in my body so that I can make space, um, for the next soul that decides to come down to our family. Okay. And then what about, so let's go through each of the changes you've done, the physical changes, the changes in any approach to, you know, your family healing that, um, the food you eat, like every little step. So other people will know because, you're now following mystical motherhood, you know, you're, you're reading the book and you're using it. And I would love for other people to know if that's helped you or if it's given you a guide of how to do that. Yeah, I think it absolutely has given me a guide and even mystical motherhood and and the books that are recommended within it, such as medical medium. I mean, really, really thinking about foods, you know, that phrase, you know, you need to eat fruit to bear fruit. I think that really just resonated with me. And I just, you know, I was never, I mean, I ate fruit before, but I never really, you know, put it in all my smoothies. And I just really embraced that as a, as a mindset, um, you know, and also just getting up in the morning and getting on my cushion and meditating, whether it's for five minutes or 35 minutes and, you know, um, just taking that moment. And I've had some really great realizations while meditating, um, that have really helped. So, you know, acupuncture, really eating more fruits and vegetables and being really clean about what I'm eating, you know, grass fed meats to the extent that I can. And, you know, um, one of the things that I did for me personally that, you know, I know is different for everyone, but I quit caffeine altogether. Um, and, and part of that was a conversation, you know, with my acupuncturist as well, but because caffeine can really over amp someone's system and I'm, I'm by nature a pretty high strung person. And the caffeine was just really like sending me onto another level, um, which then of course it impacted my sleep. Um, and it was just getting my adrenals firing so fast that I think I was never really kind of letting my body relax enough to, be pregnant and hold a pregnancy and, and know that there was space for that. But, you know, again, every woman's different, but I actually have found that quitting caffeine has been fantastic. Um, and I don't even miss it anymore. So how long did it take for, that's really interesting to say that. I mean, I, that's like my last addiction (laughs) and I don't, I would personally love to know how you did it. Um, so I was never a huge, huge coffee drink. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was 30. Um, and I would never really have more than one cup a day, but you know, one cup a day is pretty, still pretty good. Um, and you know, we did the Alejandro Younger clean program, my husband and I, um, last fall and that's caffeine free, but they, they say you can have some matcha tea to kind of, you know, ramp yourself down. And so we'd started drinking matcha tea in the morning, which, I don't, I don't really care for the flavor of, I know a lot of people really love it. So it was pretty easy to quit from there because I didn't really care for the matcha tea in the first place. Um, and you know, once I quit the caffeine, I also found that I didn't have those crashes that sometimes you get from having caffeine. So, you know, I might have a cup of coffee to get going in the morning. Well, in a few hours, you're tired again. So then you want some more caffeine. And I, I don't have those sort of energy crashes like I used to have. Um, so it's hard. I definitely have been waking up some mornings really wanting caffeine, but I know that 
it's, I'm not the, the effects of it aren't going to be there in a few hours. So, you know, if I'm really tired, sometimes at work, I actually just take a moment and I do some deep breathing. And I find that by just getting more oxygen into my system and just naturally wakes me up. Awesome. So it sounds like, so you did a, you did a cleanse. So you've done pretty much everything in mystical motherhood that I recommend. So you did the cleanse, you're cha- you're adding fruit because there's this huge fear in our society of fruit and huge. I it's don't like know why. I, mean, I, I see all the reasons I read all the reasons, but and I mean, I'm scared. I'm like, do I eat this banana? <laughs> but it's <laughs> nutrients. And so it's taken me time to get away from that fear too. Um, but Anthony Williams talks about fruit as there's no fear. We've created a fear that's not real. And then we're right. because of that we're losing our nutrients. So I love that you brought that up. I love the caffeine, um, quitting it because we shouldn't be drinking it when we're pregnant. I mean, or, or chocolate, I guess. I mean, even Anthony Williams says chocolate out toxic. I mean, that's a little hard, but if anyone's listening out there, that's interested in really, really getting clean, that's one of them. And going to grass-fed meat, going back to the original source of like, where did it come from? If you're going to choose to eat it, you know, know where it came from. And then you Mm -hmm. also started a meditation practice, which is amazing. And I'd love to know what worked for you because you went from not really meditating into starting a meditation practice. So what worked for you and how did you do that? So other women can maybe begin to start that. Yeah. So I started as simply as dragging myself out of bed, putting on a bathrobe, like sitting on a little cushion in the living room. And one of the things that I started with, because sometimes I think when it sounds, I don't know, I think when people say, oh, you're going to start a meditation practice, I remember thinking, that's really hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I just going to sit there? I don't, my brain, what do I think about? And for me, the way I started was actually listening to the Kundalini music because, you know, you can sort of the songs, you know, they maybe run from anywhere from six minutes to, you know, some are 20 minutes. And it's a good way to really sit down and say, okay, well, I got up, you know, 30 minutes earlier. I got, I have an extra 10 minutes. I'm just going to find some song that's 10 minutes long that I like. And I'm just going to like embrace it and listen to it and listen to the music and sit here and just be peaceful and let that wash over my mind. And so that's really how I started was just by listening to some music that I know was really getting deep into my consciousness mm-hmm. and, and, and washing over me. And, and I, I really came to enjoy that. Um, and then every so often I would, you know, sort of try and challenge myself by, you know, doing my own guided meditation that maybe I'd read about or had someone, I know Chelsea, you've told me some about them that I would do myself. And then, you know, the mornings when I'm not really feeling up for like running a full guided meditation in my own mind, I just listen to the music again. But I think taking that space to let my mind kind of calm and center first thing in the morning morning just shifted the energy of my entire day. Do you think when you become pregnant again, you'll continue to meditate? And do you feel like, do you understand now how much it could change the child inside of you? Yeah, I will. I definitely will. And I think one of the things that um, you've talked about as well, Chelsea, is is meditation, but also um, you know, I do it in the morning. I hope I hope to continue doing it as well in the morning. Um, I also try and grab a little meditation when I'm at acupuncture appointments. And one of the things I do at my acupuncture appointments, cause you know, you lie there for an hour, um, and you really can't move around. Um, I use that as an opportunity to really talk to 
this, this future soul that I'm bringing down because I know I'm going to do it every week. I know, I know, or maybe twice a week if I feel like it, that's my time to sit and have that conversation during that appointment and, you know, just like think about it. Um, and you know, it's still, it's a still one-sided conversation, but really just making sure that these souls that are waiting to come down into my family know that I'm already thinking about them. And then do you feel like that prepares you for motherhood even more? Because, you know, it's interesting. You're doing this, all these steps now to really do this consciously and changing your consciousness and think about where you were when you first got pregnant and you were in shock. Like if you would have done that before the pregnancy, I mean, imagine how different the experience would have been because it's almost, it would have been more of a, I mean, I'm assuming a blissful experience. There's some fear that are still going to arise, but different, right? Energetically. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things that I've really, I think I let like grip onto me um, and hold onto me with like a, a, just as hard as it could. And it was really difficult to feel that tension all the time in my body and, and all the meditation and just really enhancing my spiritual practices taught me to kind of view these feelings of fear, which I know I'm going to have when I get pregnant again, because it's, you know, I, it's, you remember the fear of, of, a, of the, of a potential of miscarriage and, and the pain that you feel. And I'm trying to just let these fears kind of be like the weather. Like they're just going to come to me. They're going to pass through me and they're going to leave. Like, I don't have to hold on to them and dwell on them. Like I can just let them like move along just like the weather just like one moment it's sunny and then maybe it's rainy and then it's sunny again but I don't have to like grip on to the like bad aspects of the feelings that are are passing through me I can let those go and I think having that empowered feeling that I was really in control of my emotions and my feelings and that you know that I didn't have to be overtaken by fear or by anxiety has just made me like a way calmer person than I ever was. Yeah. And is there anything, I'm really glad you said that. That was really profound actually. Um, is it's so true. And when you're in it, it's hard, but then if you do it, it's magical. But it, is there anything as we close out, anything you'd want women that have lost a child to do, what would you recommend? Because you've healed profoundly. What would you recommend that they do? Um, how can they prepare? I mean, is there anything else, any other tools you use? Did you create any, you know, anything for the child or is there anything that they can do to help them heal and then prepare to get pregnant again without having that fear? Like what could you, if it was your best friend, what would you tell them? Um, well, um, I, one of the things I definitely did that was really helpful was I did write like little notes and letters to the first baby, because I think it was a way to like let out all the feelings that I'd had. Excuse me, I'm trying to not cry too much here, but <laughs> understandable. Um, I think really to let those feelings out, um, you know, let them out of my mind, get them down on a piece of paper and, and, you know, just kind of collect them for a while. And it felt really therapeutic. You know, I just, I'd never, I, I never kept a diary as a child. I was never very interested in writing down my thoughts anywhere. So for me, it was a really odd thing to sit down and write 
these notes and share these thoughts. But like, I would, every time I wrote one, I felt so much better. Like, Oh, like almost like a relief of like being able to like express the things that I had never expressed before. So, I mean, that's one way I would recommend, even if you were never the person who keeps a diary or journal or, you know, I just, I've never really been into journaling. It's just not my thing. But that was one thing that I, that really helped me was just, you know, whatever piece of paper I found, it doesn't have to be a book. It could be just, you know, a scrap of paper where you want to write something down some little note cards, whatever it is. We let those feelings and emotions out and, and, kind of give them out there to the universe. I mean, that was just really helpful to me to do that. And um, I mean, and I loved how you said earlier, like you, you went right back to work. And if you would have had that baby, you would have gone right back to work. And it's all about space. And, and, and you also mentioned before, I mean, I want to go back to the writing, but it's coming up as I'm speaking, the restriction in the body. And it's a lot, I put it in mystical motherhood in so many places because it's not really talked about by like medical professionals. I mean, there's, we wear tight pants. We, we, um, tighten that area, our wombs and, and we, we do it in every form of our life. This need to control our food, this need to control our environment, this need to control our career. And it sounds like through your process of healing, it's, you just let go and you released so much you know and and then even through the writing is a form of release of these emotions and some women you know you have a even if you have an abortion or whatever however you lose your child if you've had abortions if you've had miscarriages if you've had traumatic births i'm here for you and i feel you right in because it's every woman it's it's so critical to us and we move on i mean some women may just go to the bar that night we don't we don't really know how we're covering up our pain and and don't so use what we've talked about here today as your process of healing and going inside and making space in your life yeah absolutely um uh, yeah, definitely get rid of the control top stockings. Yeah. <laughs> They're not comfortable anyway. <laughs> I know, but it's almost like, I mean, why, are, why do we wear Spanks, those? We look Spanks are like, like fine. If you have to wear them, wear them for a little while, but like get them off as soon as possible. Because admit it, they're not comfortable. They're, they're just not, not comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. You put a baby in there. You don't want to wear them. And send loving and healing energy to your womb. And don't forget that these things happen. Heal them before you go in. And this is a side note, because as a labor and delivery nurse, it wasn't on the questionnaire, but when anyone came into, into, you know, working with me, I would always ask their husbands to leave. And I would say, have you ever been raped? Have you ever been sexually abused? I mean, this is off subject, but it it will tie in. Have you ever been sexually abused? Have you, um, have you ever been physically abused? Uh, and I would ask these things because all of those traumas, they live within the second chakra and there would be a higher tendency for a C-section rate because the woman wouldn't be able to relax that region and have the cervix open. I mean, this isn't some scientific proven thing, but this was kind of a known thing to me. And so I wanted to know if I needed to be with that woman the whole entire time to help her relax her cervix. Like I wouldn't, I would not leave that room because she needed me to hold her hand to give birth to relax her womb and it was because it would reignite the tr- the trauma that occurred in the second chakra and she couldn't relax i mean who could if you haven't healed it and so you know these miscarriages and these traumatic births and the sexual you know anything in that area 
that isn't healed, it lives there. And I see it now with clients that have fibroids or clients that have, you know, massive hysterectomies. It's an, you know, fibroids can be an energetic growth of something that you're maybe not healing a relationship or creativity problem. So with any of these issues around birth and around our sexuality, we need to heal them before we have our next baby so that they don't come up in our health. Do you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I'd like to add is that sometimes the traumas you feel haven't necessarily happened directly to you. They could be ancestral traumas that are manifesting during this really, you know, important time in a woman's life is that we carry there a memory of things that have happened to us. You know, it's epigenetics that you carry it through you and something that may have, you know, you're the traumas that your grandmother may have experienced or your great grandmother or an aunt, like, this is all passed down and our, our cells remember what happened to us. I mean, this is how evolution happens is how, you know, if you see a bear, you should run Um, because somewhere in your history, a bear maybe ate your family member. So this is just how we learn and evolve and things that have happened to us in the past can sometimes manifest now, particularly as women are in this really important energy shift as they bring a new soul down. That is so true. And I have many, many of my clients create a genetic tree. So if you're listening right now, you need to do this. You need to create a genetic tree and understand your history. And to say, let's say you've had, um, you know, multiple miscarriages or you have an issue. I mean, this is a much broader subject. You need to ask your mom and you need to ask your grandma who in your family had that happen. And we carry the emotions and, you know, thought don't, it's so much consciousness is so much broader than our limited understanding. And epigenetics is the way your environment affects your genes and you can change your environment and change the DNA of the child, which is a, the next book I will write. But, um, you need to know what happened to your family because those emotional wounds still live within your energetic body and within your physical body on so many levels. And we can heal that for, so what mystical motherhood's purpose is, is to help women heal these generational problems so that they don't give it to the next child. And we create a new earth by birthing a new reality through us. You know, Mm -hmm. women can, you know, my birth, my reality I'm birthing is mystical motherhood. And, and all the women I speak to, they're going to birth new realities through these children that have these clean genetic lines that, cause they work through these family issues. It's so important. Do you feel like you did that when you were, you know, healing? Yeah, I definitely feel like I did that. Um, even just the conversation that I had, you know, you know, learning more about my my own mother's process of being pregnant and giving birth that I just never heard from her. Or when you're learning that my grandmother actually, you know, I never knew this until after I had a miscarriage. My grandmother had two miscarriages in addition to her three children. And you just don't know, because no one talks about these things, you just don't know what's in your family history unless you ask. So as difficult as it is to kind of ask your grandmother or your mother, you know, about their sort of personal um, you know, intimate history in that way. I think it's really important that we do ask so that we can acknowledge that and, and help heal ourselves and also help them heal through whatever they may have experienced in those times. And that's our power. And so I'm always trying to figure out ways to give women their power back. And you likely healed it for your whole family. I'm going to guess that your grandma 
did never, never healed those. She had to go on and be, you know, sturdy, strong, like what you would, you immediately did right back to work. Right. You healed it for every single generation. How does that feel to you? It feels pretty empowering. Yeah. It's so empowering. Yeah. And that's what's happening on the world right now. And it's like, give yourself, like, hold your heart right now. Like, it makes me want to cry for you because you've done so much work to change the DNA of the child that's going to come through you. That's what you're doing because, you know, behavioral epigenetics is proving, proving scientifically that DNA, it's not, we don't, we don't have to get what our grandma and grandpa's had. It's, it's only our thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and our environment that creates these health issues and these psychological issues in our life. That's a scientific proven fact coming, emerging in science, the most growing field right now. And I'm going to apply that fully to creating a child. Mm. And it's, and so with that, women can bring, take their power back and really change this earth. And I want to applaud you for doing that and, and you know, committing to bring down a conscious child and calling. You've done everything possible to do it. And I cannot wait to have you back in the future to share your journey of, you know, postpartum when one day when you are bringing your child down. Yeah. So thank you for coming today. Is there anything else you want to close with? Um, just one piece of advice. Um, it always makes you a little upset when I share this, but when... It took me a long time to come to this realization, but it was so hard to accept that we had a baby and then we didn't have one. But I had this realization um, over like lots of meditation. It just came to me that the fact that these children choose to incarnate you with you and your husband or your partner for six weeks or for 14 weeks or for five months or whatever it is, is so special yeah and your partner could give this being a home and parents and let them take another step on their karmic journey sorry so much no it's so beautiful I love that you're sharing this it's so because it's because you've healed so much from it I mean it's, it's like so powerful I wish I could give you a hug (laughs) virtually (laughs) Um, but you know it's just something really important to remember that as painful as it is it's such a blessing that these beings chose you do you think that the being that chose you helped to awaken you absolutely and so do you think that now you see this child I think it was a girl right um as a gift right you see yeah I mean it was something I never want to go through again. And it was so painful, but also this child taught me like more about myself than maybe I cared to want to know, but um, it's been really helpful to kind of take this as a lesson and not, not a judgment on who I am, but a lesson of how I can grow um, and expand and what I'm really meant to be doing and what's really important and what I should be focusing on. So that they're here, you know, you don't have to learn from like our elders down. We can learn from those who are coming up as well. And I think this first child definitely taught me a lot about myself and about the universe and just everything life and, and how, how to really take care of myself and others going forward. So it was a a very difficult blessing, but yeah, still a blessing. 
Thank you so much for sharing. I really hope this reaches all the women in the on the earth that need healing. Um, if you have a friend or you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please tell them because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to heal women all over and it's so important bringing a conscious child down to this planet. I can't right now in my life, I can't think of anything cooler <laughs> if you're about to have a baby. It's like, wait, it's, and it's such a journey, an internal journey of awakening. And so that's what this po- podcast is all about. You can find us on mysticalmotherhood.com. Write me if you have questions, please. I want to give you the answers. If you think you'd be a great um, guest, contact me. And if you liked this, please subscribe and you can find us on all major social media channels. Thank you so much.